we'll preach in just a minute, but I'm not going to preach too long, but I'm going to preach in just a minute. But before I do that, I want to, I want to comment on something that, uh, you can turn this down a little bit, Bubba, it's going to be way too loud when I get excited. And I always get excited. I want to comment on something that happened on Friday that I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. I want to talk about the fact that the Supreme Court of the United States overturned Roe versus Wade. And I've watched, I've watched all of my life, I've watched the church pray for that. I've, I, all my life, I've watched the church pray for that. And, and here's the thing, you need to understand something. It's not about whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. It, it, it's, it, it, let me tell you something, and I'm just going to tell you because I'm going to show you right out of the Bible because I don't care about political aisles. I don't care about what side of the aisle. I care what the Bible says. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, it's not about health care. It's not about choice. It's about the sanctity of life and the right, the right to life that every being that God creates has, listen to me, before it's ever formed in the womb. See, everybody's like, well, and let me tell you, it's not a clump of cells. It's not a clump of cells. And when I, when I, watch, when I watch major leaders of our country stand and talk about how terrible it is that we have stopped the slaughter of over a million babies. And that's what it is. But this is how God sees it. Psalms 139, verse 13. For you did form my inner parts. You did knit me together in my mother's womb. I will confess and praise you for you are fearfully and wonderful, for you are fearful and wonderful and for the awful wonder of my birth. Wonderful are your works and that my inner self knows right well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being formed in secret and intricately and curiously wrought, as if embroidered with various colors in the depths of the earth, a region of darkness and mystery. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book, all the days of my life were written before they ever took shape, when as yet there was none of them. How precious and weighty also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they would be more in num more number than the sand. When I awoke, I could count to the end. I would still be with you. That's God's view of life. I don't care what anyone else's view is. I celebrate it all weekend long. Because while every state can now make their own decision, the country that we live in no longer has the blood of millions of babies on their hands. Yeah, absolutely. And it's worth celebrating. And it's worth celebrating. You say, you seem like you feel strong. You have no idea how strongly I feel about it. But I watch the prayers of the saints be answered. A lot of y'all have been in this a lot longer than me, and you've been praying about it a lot longer than I have. And to watch it manifest is an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. But I just wanted to talk about that just a minute. I feel like we would be amiss in being thankful to God. We'd rather be amiss in being thankful to God for what happened if we didn't talk about it a little bit. And it's had me thinking all this, this last few days since this happened. I had, I had something kind of prepared before Friday, and God said, no, don't talk about that. Talk about this. And I thought about all of the, the futures cut short 
through that awful deed. But then I thought about the magnitude of our God and how he sees each one of us. And that's what I'll talk about. Just a few minutes. Just a few minutes. Isaiah 40 verse 12 says this. Who has measured the waters? If you ever feel like you have a problem that's too big for God, <laughs> listen up real close this morning. Amen. If you ever feel like you got something going on that just is outside of God's realm, listen up real close this morning. Let me tell you, I'm just going to go ahead and let you know in advance, you do not have a problem that is too big for God. There is nothing that is too hard for God. You don't have a sickness that is outside of his healing abilities. You don't have a need that's outside of his provision. You don't have anything going on in your life that God cannot handle. And I think so many times we have this problem right here in our face, and this problem looks like it's some big, amazing, major thing. But you don't see it from where God sees it from. How many of you have ever flown in an airplane at about 30, 35,000 feet? You can see counties. Just see, just see whole counties in states. You just, I mean, stuff just looks like, uh, huge farms look like postage stamps. You know why? Because you have a perspective so that when you're, you're not seeing what's on the ground. See, our price... They get right in our face and they look big, but they don't look big from where God's sitting because guess what? They're not big from where God is sitting. But it says this about God. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Oh, God, you just don't understand how bad my situation is. God says, who are you talking to? I hold all the waters of the earth in the palm in the hollow of my hand. Yes. My problem is so big, God. He says, what do you mean your problem's big? We go out and look at the Gulf of Mexico, and we think it's impressive. It's not even an ocean. It's a gulf. You go out there and look at the gulf. You're like, wow, look at that. It's a gulf. It's not even a major. It's not even an ocean. And God holds all the oceans, all the gulfs, all the lakes, all the seas. He holds all the water of all the earth right here. He just cups his hand. He just cups his hand. Oh, but God, my situation is so bad. He's like, hold on, I got the ocean right here. What do you do with the other hand, God? It says he marks the heavens with a span of his hand. So when you begin to pray in your situation, God, let your hand move. You better be serious if you want the hand of God to move in your situation. Because if he has a hand that holds the waters in the hollow of it, and he, he says, he said he can measure the solar systems. Not what you can see when you walk outside. He measures the heavens. Like that. All the water here, he's like... He can measure things they've not yet developed technology to see. Man thinks we got stuff going on. We haven't even made the technology yet that can see the God's pinky finger. 
You can't, if, you, if you're starting at his thumb, you can't even see God's pinky with all the technology we've built. Amen. We got Hubble telescopes. Man, you can't even see, you can't see this far down God's thumb with your, your Hubble telescope. Says he just does that. Yeah, that's about right. The span of his hand. Yeah, ain't nobody in this room can even put your hand, the span of your hand across the whole back of one of these chairs. If you can, I want to see your hand. <laughs> but he says God measures all the heavens. And Cody, we worry about our problems. We worry about our problems. Here's God measuring the heavens. First time that scripture about the hollow of his hand ever made sense to me, I was at the beach. I don't like the beach unless I'm fishing. Some of y'all, I know you like to go out there and rub stuff on yourself and fry like bacon. That's stupid. <laughs> that makes no sense. Go out there and catch a fish. Get, at least take something home with you can eat. Otherwise, you just go back with sand in places that don't belong. <laughs> Sticky old salty water. Nope. Y'all have all that you want. Oh, it's pretty. No, it ain't. It's hot. It's hot. And there's too many half-naked folks out there who need to put some clothes on. There's a whole bunch of people in this world that have bought into the idea that brown fat looks better than white fat. <laughs> y'all, listen, y'all taking your kids to the water park, y'all going to find out. Jason was at a birthday party a few weeks ago at the water park. Told me, he said, man, that's one woman come in. I didn't even think she's wearing a bathing suit. But I was out there at the beach, and I'm looking at the Gulf of Mexico, and I'm like, God, this is amazing that you created this in this many days. He said, it's not amazing I created it. It's amazing I still hold it. And he said, if I still hold the waters that I made, what do I do with you? See, I worry about my situation and my struggles and my problems. And God says, hey, listen, if I can still hold up in my palm the, uh, the oceans that I made and said were good, what do you think I'm doing with you that said I said was very good? Because, see, we have this, we have this uh, misperception of how God sees us because most of the time we think that God looks at us the way we look at us. Can I tell you that God doesn't look at you anything like you look at you? God doesn't look at you as someone who is weak, who's someone who cannot. He doesn't look at you as someone who, is, who is, is, is cowering in a corner. He looks at you like he did Gideon, hiding behind a wine press and says, Hail thy mighty, that story in the Bible. Because you got this dude, he's like, and he, then he, of course he does what we always do, and he gives his qualifications of why he's the worst. We all do that when God calls us to do something. We give him a list of qualifications of why we're not able to do that. He told Gideon, Gideon told him, he said, listen, you got the wrong guy. I am the least in my father's house. My father's house is the least in the tribe, and my tribe is the least in all the tribes. He said, I'm the least of the least of the least of the least. I'm the lowest of the low. I am the most inadequate, incapable person in all the land. And God says, hell, thou mighty man of valor. <laughs> Moses sees someone who stutters. God sees a deliverer. We never see ourselves the way that God sees us. But this is what God says about us. 
Psalms 8, verse 3, when I view and consider your heavens. You know, it, it's actually a good thing. I'm going to tell you all this because we live in this world where everybody stays inside all the time. It's stupid. Pick your head up off of a computer screen every now and then. Look at what God made. Pick your head up off of a screen every now and then and look at what God made. Consider the heavens. Do you know you'll learn a lot about God if you get outside and look at his creation? You'll learn a lot about God. You'll learn all kind of things about the magnitude of God. But it says, when I view and consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained and established, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of earth-born man that you care for him? He says, when I look at everything you've done, God... When I sit out on the beach, when I go to the mountains and stare at the mountain ranges, one of my favorite, absolute favorite drives in all of our country is to drive out of the Eisenhower Tunnel going into Colorado where you first get your glimpse of the Rocky Mountains. That's incredible. That's an incredible drive. When you just pop out of that tunnel and there they are, and it's like, wow. Wow. My daddy loved the mountains. He wanted to always go to the mountains. That was where he, every time he took a vacation, daddy wanted to go to the mountains because he just liked to look at the handiwork of God. Listen, ever since I've seen the creation that God makes, I can go to any city in the world. I am not impressed by their skyscrapers and their smelly streets. Man does his best. He builds a skyscraper. God says, hey, let's put a mountain over there, and there it is. But it says when I consider... The heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have ordained and established. He said, when I look around me, what is man that you even think about me? See, so many times in our life, we stand ourselves up next to parts of God's creation and say, look how beautiful that is. And then we look in the mirror and say, oh, man, I'm a piece of junk. Anybody ever had the piece of junk moments? I have. Yeah, but we'll go look at something God created and said was good, and we're just in awe and amazed by it. And then we look at what God made and said is very good. Says, when I think about that, the psalmist says, when I think about all those things, who in the world is the son of man that you care for him? How, how God can you care for me when you've surrounded yourself with such beauty and such amazement and so many different things? How can you look at me and say, oh, God, oh, that, that is awesome. I dance over that creation. I rejoice over my creation with singing. You want to talk about the value of human life? You want to talk about the value of every person sitting in this room? It says even though God made everything that you see, he looks at you. He says that's very good. So the son of earthborn man that you care for him, yet you have made him but a little lower than God. The King James says angels. That's not a correct translation. The correct translation there is, but you have made him a little lower than yourself. You made all these things, but when you made man, when you made Jason, you made Jason just a little bit lower than yourself, God. How does God see you? God sees you as so far superior to anything else he ever created. It's not even close because he made all of those things for our enjoyment, but he made you just a little lower than him. He made you a little mini God. You say, you can't say that. I can't. It's in the text. It's what the text says. The text says that he made you to be just a little lower than himself with God-like qualities. 
so that he made all these other things. Everything you see that we're amazed by, he made it for you to enjoy. When he gave man the earth originally, he said, take it and subdue it. Enjoy it. We're amazed by our playground. It's like walking up to the monkey bars as a little kid and saying, oh, those are some awesome monkey bars. I wish I was as good as those monkey bars. I wish I was made as... They swing from them upside down. They enjoy their monkey bars. God made you superior to his creation. But it gets better. It says, you have crowned him with glory and honor. How does God see you? How does God see me? He said, he made me just a little bit lower than himself, and then he crowned me with glory and with honor. God crowns you with honor. God, the God of heaven, honors you. The word glory means heavy with everything good. It means weighted good. It means he crowns you with everything good, and then he placed honor on you. He puts you in a position to be respected. By what? Your problems. You know why God can look at your situation and look at your problems and it doesn't bother him? Because he knows he gave you authority over those problems and that all of those problems are subject to you. If you're living with something that is driving you crazy, you don't have to live with it because it was made subject to you. All right, some of y'all don't believe me, so I'm showing you the Bible. You made him have to have dominion. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things. Does that say some things? All things where? Under his feet. You have put all things under his feet. You have given him dominion. You have given him the right to dominate his circumstances and his situations, and you've placed all things under his feet. You say, Pastor Johnny, it's scary circumstances out there. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's scary circumstances that don't have everything under their feet. It's very scary circumstances to the non-believer. You're fixing to see a you're fixing to see an influx to the church. The church world's fixing to see an influx because when, when the times get difficult, when things get hard, you know where people run? They run to the church. But for the for the saints of God, it may be dark in Egypt, but it's still light in Goshen. Why? Because it's under our feet. Because it's under our feet. Because all things, not some things, all things are under our feet. My daddy used to tell people this all the time. People come to daddy complaining. Dad said, do you not like your life? No, that's what I'm here for. He said, well, then change it. Then change it. You have authority to change it. Things have to respond to your dominion. God made you little, a little lower than himself and then put you over everything else. If you want to know, the Bible says that Adam, that Jesus was the second Adam, and he came to seek and to save that which was lost, right? Okay, you got to understand what that means. It doesn't say he came to seek and to save those which were lost. See, we teach it like that's what it is. 
The church for years has taught it, Brother Floyd, that it's like he came to seek and to save the ones who were lost. That's not what the scripture says. It says he came, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Okay, if he was the second Adam, who lost what was lost? The first Adam. So he came to seek and to redeem that which had been lost by Adam. How did Adam live? If you want to know how God intends mankind to live, Adam lived this way. Adam said something and that's what it was. When the animals needed naming, they walked single file in front of him. And Adam said, that'll be a lion. That's a parakeet. That's a camel. And that's what it was. And when that lion stood up, he said, go over and lay down. See, it, well, listen, lions did not get their first taste of being subdued by Daniel. See, lions, are, lions knew how to be subdued by the power and authority of God because they saw it first when Adam named them. Yep. See, your problems are not getting their first chance at being subdued by God. Spirits that attack us, don't, you're not getting their first opportunity to be subdued by the power of God. What it takes is somebody who will walk in the authority that God has given them and to take dominion over the situation and over the problems. See, we spend so much time praying, God, fix this. And he says, I gave you dominion. Why are you praying for me to fix it? You know, the last thing the Bible says God did, sat down. No, go read your Bible. The last thing that God did is in Genesis said on the seventh day, he what? It does not say on the eighth day he got back up. Because Hebrews says he finished everything he was going to do just waiting for someone who, who believed, who, who, who would believe. We are sitting around waiting on God to do something that he's given us dominion and authority to do it because we don't see ourselves the way that God sees us. God sees us as overcomers. God sees us as courageous. God sees us as bold. We sit around and say, God, make me bold. He said, I already did. God, heal my body. He said, I already did. By his stripes, we are healed. God, I need more resources, more finances. And my God shall supply all my needs according to what? His riches and glory. How? By Christ Jesus. None of the things that God has done, none of the things you need are up for debate. They're settled by everyone except for you. I got news for you, Teeth. They're settled where the enemy's concerned. He already knows. Say, how do you know that? Whenever Legion, when Jesus encountered the demon Legion, that he sent into the hogs, the first thing they said to him was, why are you here to torment us before our time? We know we're whipped, but why are you here early? You don't have to convince God that you have authority over your problems. You don't actually have to convince your problems. What you have to convince is yourself. God says we've been given dominion. Peter says you've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Not you will be given those things. You have been given, been given those things. So how do we see God? God, is, God holds the waters in the palm of his hand, stretches out the heavens by the span of his hand. How does God see you? As just a little bit lower than him. With dominion, with authority, with glory, with honor, crowned with glory and honor. How do I see me? That's the challenge. That's the challenge. 
God's sitting there saying, oh, listen, I see Jessica as a bold woman of God, full of faith, full of fire, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. The convincing has got to be on Jessica. Jessica's got to see Jessica that way. God sees Alex as completely fearless. Walking the streets with lame legs being healed as he walks past him with his shadow crossing like Simon Peter. People get up well and get up whole. The convincing has got to be done on for Alex. That's how God sees us as overcomers. God sees us as walking in authority. God sees you healed, blessed, prospered, with, with joy, with happiness, with fulfillment. How do I see me? God is more than able. And because God is more than able, you are more than able. But what do we do with it? What are you going to do with it? I'm going to tell you, just, 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 just humor me. Just test it out this week. Change the way you pray this week. I'm going to say something, and y'all need to hear this. We're just in a place in this world we need. This, is, this, is, this needs to happen. You need to stop asking when you're praying and start telling some things when you're praying. It's, it's time in your lives. Some people, some, some, some people in this room need to hear this. Quit asking so much and start telling. Take some authority. Step out in some authority and tell your problems what they need to do. In Mark 11, it says you can speak to a mountain. Until it be plucked up and cast into the sea and says, if you don't doubt in your heart, it shall be done. It will happen. You tell a mountain to get up. People said, oh, that was talking about the mountains of life. He was talking about a literal mountain because he just finished cursing a literal fig tree. You say, what happens when I begin to speak to my problems? Well, they begin to change. Circumstances begin to change because when the presence and the power of God steps into a situation, it's like when the Ark of the Covenant, when the priest's feet and the Ark of the Covenant touched in Joshua Joshua and the parting of the Jordan. Listen, the moment those priest's feet bearing the presence of God stepped into that water, that thing stood up. You know why? Because every circumstance is impacted and affected by the presence of God. But here's what happens. When you begin to take authority over situations in your life, this is what happens. You'll see little glimmers of change. But the symptoms will hold on for a while. But see, it don't happen by, you don't beg God to fix something he's already given you authority to change. You speak to the problem. You speak to the situation. You speak to the circumstance. Jesus told the disciples, I'll get back to where I was going. Jesus told the disciples, he said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth must be what's bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth must be what is loose in heaven. So let me tell you something. There's no poverty in heaven. There's no lack in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no depression in heaven. There's no fear in heaven. So those things have already been bound. So it says you have the right as a son or daughter of God to bind everything on this earth that is bound in heaven. And you can release everything on this nearly as excited as you ought to be about that. No matter what's going on in your life as a child of God with authority and with dominion, the only person preaching with me in here is Brother Floyd. He's right here with me. That's it. All the rest of y'all, y'all need to give with a program. And your life reflects it. And your life reflects it. 
But if it's bound in heaven, you can bind it on this earth. But what happens? You begin to, you begin to declare to the problem and the circumstance. Same thing happened when Jesus encountered the fig tree. Went up there, he was hungry. And there were no figs on the fig tree. So he cursed it. And then they left. Day or two later, they come back by. Simon Peter is astonished. He says, Lord, the fig tree that you cursed is withered. Why was he astonished? Because when they left, you know what it looked like? Exactly what it looked like when Jesus cursed it. See, we always had this mistaken idea that Jesus cursed a fig tree and then it just died. That's not what happened. He cursed the roots of the fig tree. See, you got to be able to speak to the root of the problem. See, all of us want to speak to the, to, the, to the symptoms of the problem, but if you don't speak to the root of your problem, you're not ever going to see it die off the way it needs to die off. So what Jesus did, he, 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 he commanded life to leave the fig tree. Anybody ever pruned a branch off of a tree? Throw it off in the yard, what does it look like? Just like what it looked like sticking onto the tree for a day or so. But when life leaves it, over time, it begins to die off. See, don't think you're just going to go start talking to your problems and tomorrow everything's going to be. If you've got a problem you've been dealing with for years, it ain't going to change tomorrow. The roots are too deep. There's too much life in it. So what you've got to do, you've got to speak to the roots. And you've got to speak to the roots every day. And then you've got to believe. You've got to believe that when you curse the fig tree, the only person that walked away from there knowing the fig tree was dead was Jesus. And all the rest of them, my Lord, the fig tree's dead. Jesus is like, uh-huh. Shocking. But the symptoms had to die off. But I'm going to tell you something. As long as you're just talking to the symptoms of your life, it ain't never going to die off. you got to get with God, get alone with God, and you say, God, what is the root of this? What's the root of this? See, that's uncomfortable. And here's why that's uncomfortable, because usually it's a root that I planted. See, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about where the roots of the problem are because then I get to where I live. Then I got to recognize that I wasn't planting the best seed for a long, long time. But I still got to be willing to let God kill the root. I got to take that responsibility for the places that I've messed up, for the things that I've done and say, God, you know what? I want this out of my life and I'm going to speak to the root even if the root was in me. Anybody ever found out you were the root of your own problem? Thank y'all for your honesty. The rest of y'all will forgive you because you don't want to be embarrassed in front of the people sitting next to you. But if you don't learn to speak to and take authority and dominion over the root, and then I'm going to share something with you. The Bible says you can bind and loose. So here's how dominion works. Power will always fill a vacuum. I'm going to use some example we all can understand. You see a country go to war and they, 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 they chop the head off of a, dict of a dictator or a dictatorial regime. Within a few months, something else has taken its place. Yes? Because here's a power fills a vacuum. 
Anywhere there is a void throughout Jessica's a history teacher. I love, I love history. Anywhere there's ever been a void in history, something will fill that void. Okay, there's nothing different about that than when you, as a person with dominion, takes dominion over something in your life. You can't just bind it. You've got to lose something to take its place. See, you, because if you leave a void, something will fill that void. Something will fill that void. You've got to, you've got to fill that void with what God's word says about it. You can't just curse something you don't like in your life. You've got to turn around and lose what God says about you into your life. See, it doesn't do you any good to curse poverty if you don't lose abundance. See, you can curse a spirit of infirmity, but you need to lose the spirit of divine health. Because otherwise, all you're going to do is get sick again. It will all pass up. Something will always fill that void. That's why there's binding and loosing. Get that out of there, buddy. You're good. Boy, that thumb looks delicious. Are you enjoying your thumb? You look just like your daddy sucking on your thumb. Like that. I'd like y'all to know Alex finally quit, quit sucking his thumb. About three years ago, it was difficult, but he finally gave it up. Had to put a little bit of hot sauce on his thumb. We have to see ourselves how God sees us. I was thinking this week about how many times God has heard prayers and he thought, why don't you go do something about it? How many times God's heard us pray and cry? He says, well, I've given you dominion over it. What are you doing about it? What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? We have all these amazing gifts that God has given us. What do we do with them? I won't never get done, but I'm fixing to quit. Jake and I quit. Am I supposed to quit? Can they stand or we need to stay seated? What are we doing here? You told me you told me you have a presentation. I'm done. I preached all I got.